My name is Larry Dobra. I am the editor-in-chief of MMM. And we have a very special MMM podcast today. Um, on the afternoon of November 4th, I received an email with the subject header, I am a mentally ill healthcare marketing professional. And that was my introduction to a pretty incredible guy and a pretty incredible healthcare leader, John Nelson. And we're going to talk about the column that we published on mmmonline.com today. And we're going to talk a little bit about how the profession treats its own that do have this insidious disease. So, John, many, many thanks for joining us here today. I really appreciate the introduction. I'm, I'm glad to know that my cold email got, got opened and I, I still have my <laughs> business development skills in place. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you know us. We'll read anything. Uh, we're, we're good that way. All community minded here, you know. <laughs> great. Well, uh, Larry, I want to thank you for having me. And also, I wanted to congratulate you on your new role as editor in chief. It's a oh, great <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, before we get going, you know, you you've been doing this for a while. You've been doing it very successfully. Um, you know, you led GSW. Um, you had many roles at Klein, Davis and Mann. Um, now you're at the PSL group. But um, let's let's hear it from you. Tell us about your professional path, um, how you landed in medical marketing, and the uh, 20 years that you spent in the profession. So I was very fortunate to come out of college in 1999, December of 1999. The economy was booming. I had narrowed down my choices of jobs to two. One was either going to be an insurance company based out of Indianapolis. The second was this uh, really cool ad agency out of New York City called Klein Davis and Mann. And my brother really changed the trajectory of my life. He looked at me one night and he said, hey, John, do I want to say my brother's an ad guy in New York City or an insurance guy in Indianapolis? And he played the 22 year old very well because I said, yeah, the ad guy in New York seems pretty cool. And uh, and that's how I started it. And, you know, I didn't know a single soul in New York and New York City. My parents moved me uh, from Pittsburgh to Indianapolis when we were I was 16 years old. It was a very, very rough transition. Uh, but the best thing that it taught me was that change is good. And so moving forward with change and trying to do the most exciting thing, I came to New York. And I look back on that time as um, it's just a mesmerizing time in my life. I, you know, and to see where people have gone from a career path since my first day starting, you know, I roll in there, uh, my first part of my career, I'm right down the hall from this um, this, this awesome account guy on the Vagra account, Ken Bagazi. he's an account supervisor at the time. I'm like, this guy's really smart. This guy's bright. You know, the, the creative leadership at the time, our VP creative guys, Red Wise and Josh Prince. Um, my first big boss was Aaron Ellis, who's now Aaron Schiller. Uh, she's truly crafted everything that I've done in my professional career. You know, I, I, I've been uh, so lucky to be surrounded by such good leaders um, throughout my whole career. And to think that I'm 23 years old and I'm, I'm part of the customer marketing group with Nina Greenberg, uh, which then turns into CDM Managed Markets, which then turns into Entree Health. I'm developing media plans with uh, Debbie Renner when it was CDM Media. Uh, and then it gets into SSCG Media. These were, these were you know, career shaping moments for me. Uh, made me really love my my time at the agency. Um, we ended up moving with CDM to San Francisco. Had an opportunity to work very closely with Genentech for about six years. Uh, my wife and I moved out there together. We had two children. Uh, there was some excitement to get back home after the second kid, get closer to family. And I, I worked with CDM Princeton for a year, which was a, another amazing establishment. Um, 
you know, my mental illness started really impacting me uh, about the time I was leaving San Francisco uh, and entering into Princeton. And it's the reason why I ultimately left CDM. I'd probably still be there if I if I didn't start suffering. You know, the, your your standard stressors, your um, you know standard work issues that would come up just were magnified because of my mental illness. And I decided to escape and go on to uh, my next adventure in my career, and that was to uh, DG Connect, which is part of the PSL Group. It's on the publishing side of the business. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, leaving and doing something different. You know, one of the cool things about advertising is it teaches you so much. You know, it's a, I, I say in the article, it's a real world business PhD, and it is. Um, so, so having the skills that I had translated very well going over into a business development role. Um, then I got a call from GSW after a couple of years. And, you know, as an agency guy and, and a business agency guy, being able to lead the ship of a, of a shop is a, is a really big deal. And I was honored um, to be able to be called to do that. Uh, and to be better yet, I was able to do it in my backyard. I live in Newtown, Pennsylvania. Um, the, the Philadelphia location was based in Newtown. So I, I jumped at it. Um, but my mental illness was part of that decision too. You know, working at DG Connect and working in a smaller team, um, I was working from home. I wasn't around people enough. And, you know, the escape from that point was let's get around people. You know, let's let's uh, let's make the call. Let's make it happen. And I made the move um, uh, after I was at GSW. I was there for about two and a half years. Um, loved every experience, loved every aspect of it. It's my first uh, my, my second time I got to work with Sonia Foster Storch, one of the best people uh, that I've ever been around in this business. You know, she helped me through uh, some severe mental health issues that I was having at the time. Um, that took me away from GSW, and I'm I'm grateful to her forever uh, because of that. Um, when I came back from dealing with my mental health um, issues, I had a great ability to come back to PSL Group. Um, right now, I'm leading a business unit called Scriptlift with uh, an amazing partner, Greg Evans. A phenomenal team, and 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 I, honestly, I couldn't be happier uh, than where I am right now. Um. Your, your illness, um, I know you said, you say in the column that it, you know, when you were at Klein, Davis and Mann, you know, were it not for your illness, you might still be there. Tell us a little bit about how, how it kind of got its hooks into you, um, how it became so insidious that it really prompted you to, you know, first, you know, change what you were doing, something that you loved, something that you were very good at, but also start getting treatment, start getting uh, some of the help, which at first you said you didn't realize you needed. You know, part of not having been through therapy and being starting to become essentially the, the mental illness taking over for me is I didn't know anything was wrong. It just was my life, right? It was what it was. I'd be in some funks every once in a while, but I thought that was normal. You know, the disease started to overtake me at work in very specific ways. Um, it started to crush my confidence. You know, my self-esteem got very low, you know, normal, normal things that would be very simple for me to do. Um, I would play over and over again in my head. Should I have done it this way? Should I have done it another way? Uh, my decision making ability um, uh, was something that I would question a lot. Um, you know, everything or anything that would start to go wrong in any business decision, I would absolutely 100 percent think it was all my fault. But if anything went great. It was the opposite. I had nothing to do with it. 
So, it, you know, the, the most amazing part about um, mental illness and mine specifically being major depression, generalized anxiety disorder and PTSD is that, you know, the diseases make your brain lie to you. That's the main thing that it's trying to do. It's trying to bring you down. It's trying to, um, you know, wreck you in any possible way that it can. And doing that while at work and trying to maintain a family and provide for your family is, is very challenging. The, you know, you, you had spoken earlier about some of the people that you worked with, um, you know, Sonia, so many others and how supportive they were to you. But writ large, is this a business that supports people that have mental illness? Is this a business? I mean, it, it, it's almost, it's almost like a physician heal yourself type scenario, right? Everybody's in this business because they want to help people. And that's the industry's overarching goal. And yet, you know, you allude once or twice in the column to some of the people that, you know, responded to you in a way that seems just the absolute antithesis of that. Um, does this business support its own? So there's, there's strides that are being made. And, and I think that that's important. And I'll, I'll speak to my my current employer, PSL Group, you know, they they've been phenomenal to interact with uh, with my current challenges. But beyond that, with dealing with the general uh, employee population of our company, you know, I attended uh, a two-hour emotional well-being webinar this year. It was awesome. You know, literally a webinar purely focused on the emotional well-being of staff, um, going through that, um, knowing that they care. I've received two wellness packages from them. You know, purely not expecting. They're, it's the greatest thing. Kids think it's the coolest when a text <laughs> package comes with goodies in it. Um, but there are things that are all focused on wellness. So, you know, I do see um, the business world changing. Um, I will tell you that it can obviously always get better. And there is a real stigma out there. You see society changing with that stigma in regards to the commercials that are out there. COVID is. Uh, the talk space, you know, the amount of ads that are out there right now in regards to the places to go for therapy, you know, all of that is wonderful. But the reality is, is that there is absolutely a stigma that exists. And in my opinion, until people understand what mental illness is, what it actually is, that stigma will still present itself. And the majority of of how I make the analogy is very simple. It all comes to how do you respond when somebody has cancer? You certainly don't know what it feels like to have cancer, but you immediately have compassion and empathy for that person. Um, you want them to win. You want them to fight through um, and you want to support that. You know, the typical reaction with depression, specifically and anxiety, is the exact opposite. I, I can't begin to tell you how many people that I have I've opened up to and been vulnerable to talk about it. And they don't say anything. They look at you and they kind of tilt their head to the side. And I sometimes will hear, well, I don't know what to do. Um, the answer is very simple. Show compassion. Do exactly what you would do for anybody else who has a debilitating disease. You know, I, I am firmly believe that this is the most maniacal disease out there. One of the most maniacal because it's something that you didn't ask for. And it's something that you're shamed for. And it's something that you feel horrible for having. Um, you know, nobody's ever had a diagnosis for cancer and felt horrible for, for, for having that inside, not being able to tell anybody. Um, that's the whole perspective is this is a disease that I didn't ask for. It's a chemical imbalance. 
um, that I am trying desperately hard um, to fix. And I've been trying so for over a decade. And fortunately, I'm, I'm getting close to, to starting to feel a little bit better, which is a, a very odd feeling <laughs> to not feel horrible. Um, but, you know, it's it's a wonderful uh, feeling to have. What, what does the industry need to do to eliminate the stigma of which you just discussed? Um, does it need education? Yeah. Or does it really need people in your role, you know, someone who's been a leader within the industry, well-known and well-regarded within the industry, to basically say, like, you know, raise your hand and say, hey, you know, this this is my experience. And yeah. you know, hopefully from that example, uh, you, know, you know, spin out more understanding and more caring and you know, more empathy. So one of the articles my wife sent me was an article from NAMI, the National Alliance Mental Illness, and it was about CEOs taking a bigger stance with mental health and trying to make sure it's a big deal um, at companies. And when I saw that, I immediately went to, you know, I'm in a leadership role. Um, I can even take this one step further. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the LinkedIn posts and let people know that I've been suffering. Um, and then in typical John fashion, I wanted to go a little bit bigger. And fortunately you opened up my email and I'm happy you did. <laughs> and that the main reason behind that is, you know, mental illness does not discriminate. I am, um, fortunately the president of a, of a great company. I'm a man, right? Mo the most, one of the most standard things uh, that they do in mental illness is, you know, men uh, typically try to hide behind it and not and not talk about it and, and be silent. The problem with the silence is, is it keeps you a prisoner um, and you have to get out and you have to make sure that 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 the disease doesn't win and that you're as, as open as possible. Um, I, I think that just having an acknowledgement from the work world that you don't know who's suffering. That's the biggest thing that I will say. I can't begin to tell you how many people have said to me, you're the last person in the world that I would think would be consumed with depression and anxiety. I get that all the time. And that's the point is that the exterior and the interior absolutely do not have to connect. I feel very comfortable in myself in a business world. Uh, that's where I'm happiest. I'm happiest when I'm with my family, when I'm with my kids. Um, I'm not happy inside. That's the challenge is the mental illness is absolutely not only not only do you tend to be silent, but it's invisible and people can't see that. I'm not faking who I am, who I am and the people that know me is exactly who I am. That is where I feel most comfortable, as I mentioned. Um, but I think it's very important for everybody to know that, you know, there is a, there is an absolute difference between the outside and the inside. And I and I will add to that. I don't feel weak because of that. I feel strong that I'm talking about it now. The reality is, is I should not be ashamed of this. It's something that I'm gonna fight for the rest of my life. And I think in order for me to heal through this uh, disease, I have to fully accept it in every aspect of my life. And in, in, in a work environment where it's not normal to do this, it's a challenge. It's been an additional burden for me, the additional weight of having to work very, very, very hard. We know this industry, uh, but then also not being able to talk about something that I think about and feel 24 hours a day. I feel the depression in every single part of my body. Um, I have some major recurrences that happen each year where it takes you down and you can't leave your bed, um, but it's a constant presence in my life. And to be able to do that and 
to be able to openly accept and speak about it is something that will help me and help my health as I move forward. And hopefully let people know that are out there that you're not alone. Um, it's, it's an unfortunate disease to have, but if you don't talk about it, if you don't ask for help, um, the disease is going to win. It's going to continue to make your life debilitating and, and know that asking for help is the absolute opposite of being weak. Um, it's, it's strength and, and please do your best to, to raise your hand and ask for help. Um, you mentioned during that last answer that you've had uh, some recurrences each year. And I know you've said to me that 2021 has been a tough year for you. Um, tell me what you've done, not just within the work context, but also within your personal context to, to be able to get through those recurrences, to be able to be a good dad, to be a good husband, to be a good colleague. Um, what, what are some of the, I don't want to call them coping mechanisms because I think that reduces it a little bit, but what, what are some of the things that you do to feel better? So another great question. You know, I, I have been fighting this for over a decade. I have tried everything and anything that you can imagine. Um, I've been to multiple psychiatrists. I've had consistent therapy. I've had over 10 medications that I have tried. And, you know, I would say the biggest thing that I have taken from all of this is that it's a constant battle. And, and being able to open up and talk about it is a huge win. Uh, being able to balance my work life and my home life and put more of a um, precedence on limiting stress. That is absolutely a coping skill. Being able to, um, you know, proactively do mindfulness and exercise. You can't exercise when you're extremely sick. We know all the ads, right? But diet and exercise doesn't work. What people need to understand is when you're extremely ill, you can't move. What, what a depressive recurrent looks like for me is very simple. I cannot leave my bed. I'm, I'm uncontrollable crying in a bed. That's the reality of what this is. And so being able to get out of that recurrence, limit stress, um, you know, I, I try to mix um, any moment of joy that I can find, anything to fill my bucket, mindfulness. Uh, for me, it's a big one for me is spending time with my, my kids and my wife. Um, they're, they're, they're absolutely the biggest support system that I have. I love coaching. I love, I coach all my kids sports teams. That makes me excited. That gives me joy. Um, anything that I can find for joy, um, I absolutely have to do. And I also have to be extremely cognizant of my sleep. Sleep is important. So sleep health, exercise, find things that make me happy, work at a phenomenal company, um, be surrounded with good people, um, and limit the people that are distractions in your life for me has been very important. And I think the other one that's most important is, um, just eliminating any substance. Um, I've, I've stopped drinking alcohol and it's been great for me. I stopped three and a half years ago because my entire goal was why should I put anything in my body right now? That's going to, uh, potentially not help me. And, uh, you know, at the beginning, the disease makes me consumed with why am I going to make that decision? People will think so weird at me at work. What am I going to do if we're at a you know, client event and I'm not having a cocktail? That would be my thought process with the anxiety and depression for a year. I would think that the reality is, is no one cares. 
it's it's a it's a it's an individual decision it's the right decision for me and it's the right decision for my family to have me be the best that i can uh the last you know 20 months you know in addition to everything else <laughs> you know we, we we've had a you know we've had a pandemic and i know that's yeah. really you know people that have had mental health issues i believe they've intensified they've exacerbated by the set of conditions on the ground um how have you managed you know i know you've said that you get joy from being around people that you know you get that you enjoy pitching that you enjoy working um how have you managed over the course of these you know last unprecedented 20 22 months or whatever we're working on now it's been extremely difficult and it's actually one of the reasons why i've had a major um, depressive recurrence um, literally i've pretty much have been in one on and off since july 1st and that's a lot of factors um, but you know being COVID and being isolated and being away from people isolation is is a is a victory for depression and anxiety i mean it is it is absolutely where it wants to live and so it's it's been a major challenge um for sure you know the positive that i have going on for me right now is you know i'm on that 10th medication and i'm feeling some relief i've never felt it before in a decade i've obviously felt it before that but i don't remember what it feels like right so you know the the, the reality of uh, my latest um crashes that i've had are it's it's been helping me because i've continued to have to move forward you know and the, the reality is is i couldn't do this um as i've mentioned before that without asking for help you know I've, i have you know major areas of focus in my life i have work could not have handled this in any scenario any better than they have i have my family um from a support system once again mental illness one wanted me and wants me to not be on this planet the only reason that i'm on this planet is because of my kids and my wife if they weren't here i wouldn't be here that's the reality of what mental illness is and so the fact that I can be um, have the loving care and support from them and know that I can do whatever I need to do to help myself get better and they support me is massive. Um, I have friends. That's the other thing is there is a massive stigma that I talk about in this article, but I'm going to counter that with there are really good people out there. There are phenomenal people out there that care. And, you know, these pillars that I'm talking about, everyone that I've opened up to friends, family, work, you know, my hockey coaching community, um, you know, amazing human beings that have gotten me through this and have, have put me to this spot. And, you know, I can tell you that I'm I'm absolutely glad that I'm here uh, because uh, being able to, to stick around and feel some relief is, is, is amazing. And one of the other things that I talk about in the article, and I want people to really think about this, the entire goal of severe mental illness is, especially with depression and anxiety, the entire goal of the disease is to break every part of you down and especially your thought process and make you think irrationally uh, and, and do irrational things. The disease wants you to not be here. So when you hear of somebody who has unfortunately taken their life from this illness, society's reaction to that is that person's selfish. That's the most asinine thing that I've ever heard. That person had what would be the analogy of stage four um, terminal cancer. That person uh, essentially 
did exactly what the disease wants to do. So in society, we tend to run away from that scenario, run away from that family. It, once again, with the cancer analogy, the exact opposite needs to happen. Um, nothing occurred other than what exactly the disease wanted to do, which was take away a life and then also add shame onto a scenario and family that that absolutely needs to have the exact opposite. Um, you need to give hugs. You need to support. Uh, I joke around in the article and say, you know, send a dang pie. The reality is, is mental illness is not a casserole disease. Um, you, you get cancer, you get every any any of these other debilitating disease. You have people lining up at your house to drop off stuff. Um, can, uh, mental illness is a non-casserole disease. You 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 typically hide in silence, and and you don't have people doing Excel sheets and lining up meals to get to you. Um, and so, you know, the the reality is, is, if somebody opens up to you, it's extremely simple. All you do is tell them that you're so sorry they're going through this. You love them, you care for them, you show support in any way. I've received support in the most amazing ways. Um, my neighbor came home one day and my neighbor mowed my lawn. Can't tell you how amazing that was. Um, Greg Evans, my business partner, probably the most talented person I've ever worked with. You know, he's he's incredible. He, you know, he he's I can open up so much to him that Greg, I'm I'm in a recurrence right now. I'm not doing well. And his response to me is so simple. He said, well, if you had an exacerbation with lupus, what would I be doing? I'd be covering for you. Absolutely, man. Take what you got to do. I got you. You know, having that level of support and kindness is just, uh, it's honestly, it's, it's, it's tear provoking. You know, it's, it's pretty amazing to see the, the great things that people can do. And here's, here's the nicest part about life is that, you know, people want to help, um, humans depend on each other to learn and grow you know that's the reality and so you know raising your hand and asking for help and seeing what you get in return is amazing you absolutely will have the ignorant folks that will consume you um, because you're you're upset at their reaction what you need to do if that's the case is try to get that thought out of your head pretty quick reframe it and focus on all the good amen and to that end um you know final question for you john um, putting this out into the world, um, what do you anticipate the reaction will be? Um, and you know, people that hear this and, you know, you know, it strikes a chord with them. Can they reach out to you? Can they reach out to you know, us? Can they reach out to somebody? How, how would you like to be perceived after this goes out into the world in a couple of days? So I, I, I'm going to dedicate my life to four things as I move forward in this world and my health being the first and my health being the first because it's going to provide me the ability to do the rest which is um, i'm going to dedicate my my life to my family my wife my kids um, and then also purely destroying absolutely obliterating the stigma of mental illness um i i joked around initially saying that'd be one hell of a creative brief uh, so let's let's see what our creative <laughs> folks could do but you know the reality is is if anybody needs help, or if anybody needs support, if anybody needs a perspective, please, I would love to help. Um, me being able to provide help and uh, a, a ear to listen to, a provide a, uh, a perspective, I'm here. I would love to do that. I would say from a company standpoint, you know, know that you have a human resources department for a reason. 
you have uh, people that you can talk to, raise your hand and, and let them know that you're struggling. And not just human resources, raise your hand to your colleagues. I mean, we're, we all work together all the time, right? You have your home life, you have your work life. You know, let those know, there's really close people in your life, like, hey, I'm really struggling right now. Um, you know, I'd love to talk about it. Seek therapy. You know, we, we go to the dentist twice a year. We don't do that because we're in crisis with our mouth. We do that for it to be preventative. You know, even if you're in a really good spot mentally, you know, we spend so much time on our physical health. Why, why is it negative to go seek therapy? Seek therapy. You know, talk and, and get support while you're doing well. You don't go when you're in crisis. You go when you're, you go get your teeth cleaned to, to prevent the, the, the negative uh, results in the future, right? The same thing should happen for your brain. You know, and for me, I will tell you, I am in um, a work scenario and a work environment uh, that is absolutely perfect um, for, what I'm, for, for what I'm going through. I have supportive colleagues. I have extremely intelligent colleagues. Um, you know, my core team right now, you know, that I work with, Ling LeBlanc, um, Greg Evans, Bryce Sadie, uh, Jennifer Leslie, our amazing human resources uh, director, Jen Pine, Patrick Gilman. You know, these are people that are the, some of the smartest folks that I've ever worked with in my career. They're kind, they're compassionate. We enjoy being together. And we're, we're, we're doing stuff at ScriptLift, which is, um, which is which is different, groundbreaking, uh, innovative, and I, I can't tell you how excited I am to to be able to be doing this from a work perspective, but being mostly surrounded by phenomenal people. Um, and that would be my other advice to folks: is make sure to uh, to get yourself around the right folks, um, and, and and make sure to to make that a big priority. John, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story with us. Um, you know, it's a it's a brave thing to do to come out in an industry, you know, where, as you've said, you know, you've heard a couple of, you know, really ignorant, stupid comments, but uh, you can tell your story because it's the kind of story that can help others. So many thanks for this. You know, I, I can't thank you enough for having me. And I, I'll I'll end on this. The one of the best analogies that I heard ever in regards to explaining mental illness is is this. So many people don't understand it because the name is associated with the feeling we all have. We all have sadness. We all feel depressed at times, right? And I heard this in my last uh, treatment program that I was in, and, and I hope it's something that resonates with people so that they can truly understand what it is like to suffer from severe mental illness. And it's a very simple line, you know, comparing general sadness to um, severe severe mental illness is like, comparing a paper cut to a compound fracture. That's truly what it's like. And so being able to hopefully have people who are listening to this or reading this article have a better understanding of what um, severe mental illness is like, um, we'll, we'll be able to, to eliminate that stigma. And uh, once again, Larry, I really appreciate you having me and uh, congratulations again on your new role. Thanks so much. John, thank you again for joining us and uh, to everybody listening. You know, if you're not feeling well, if you're not feeling right, you know, seek out help. Um, talk to somebody, a colleague, a family member, a professional. Just talk. That's the, uh, it's the, it's the best way to get started on your healing journey. Um, on that note, many thanks for joining us as always on the MMM podcast. My name is Larry Dobrow. Have a great day and be well.